you are listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I'm in Lombok, California. This is a very special show. We're going to be talking to my friend Feel Good. Hello. <laughs> uh, Feel Good played in the band with my dad before I was born. <laughs> and Feel Good uh, would show me songs on the bass when I was first starting out in high school. So uh, this is kind of kind of special treat for me to come through and, and visit with him and and um, I'm really curious to see what, what you had to say about it. So, yeah, um, well, I've had a lot of bad shows. I think the worst one was in 84. I put together a group of guys and a girl to do a show. And we rehearsed for three months, went and did the show, and then didn't get paid. Okay. And now I got five guys and a girl all looking at me. Well, where, where's our money? And that was a fiasco because the promoter, who assured me that she had all the cash the day before, just straight up, oh, well, I can't pay you because enough people didn't show up. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, it would be different if it was like one of those pay for the door or whatever, but right. this was an that event. Was- that she was putting on, and she hired the band, and she hired caters, and everybody got paid but me. Right. <laughs> so I couldn't pay my crew. Right, right. And I had to make arrangements so I could pay my guys, and I could had to pay them all 10 bucks and 15 bucks a week until I paid them all. Oh, man. And you talk about a hardship. Man, at the time, I wasn't working. I was on unemployment. Yeah, again, we rehearsed three times a week for three months. Man, you know how much time that is. You know that's a lot of time. And they were the best musicians. I put together the kind band, and then after I put together the kind band, we didn't get paid after the first gig. Nobody wanted to work with me after that. Oh, right. Yeah, that was what that was what the bummer was. I had the kind horn player, the kind drummer. The kind guitarist, the kind keyboard player, man, and the kind singer. And they were like, no, this guy don't pay. So where was this at? I was living in Santa Maria. The gig was in Aurora Grande. Okay. Yeah. She rented a hall, everything. It was a big coming out party for her company, whatever. And Okay. I don't know what happened, but she didn't get the turnout she was expecting to. Because she, she told me it was going to be like 500 folks. Yeah. And maybe there was like 35 that showed up. 35 people total? Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, yeah she's well. Uh huh. But was, was it the kind of thing where you said it wasn't supposed to be a door gig? No, it was. Was it, there a certain amount that she had agreed to? Well, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my, I was getting supposed to get fifteen hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. Because I told all the guys, like, man, we're gonna make. I'm gonna pay you guys at least two hundred apiece, which is why right. they were willing to rehearse. Right. You know, for that long. You know. Right. And just. And she I just was like, man, I was like, okay, guys, look, I'll give you guys all two fifty, but I'm gonna have to pay you. <laughs> Over yeah, time, and that was your, just that was a horror story for me because those guys were all great musicians, and we were pretty good friends. And if I would have just had a heads up, so I could have told them, well, hey man, look, the money's gonna be, you know, I'm gonna have to all the money that I promise you ain't gonna be here. But you know, she told me the day before she had the cash, so I didn't get the chance right. to warn anybody or say, hey, as far as I know, we were getting paid cash money that day. So yeah, you know, and we, I mean, we dressed and got the tuxedos right. 
you know, yeah, great show, just killed it, man. The folks that were there were like, man, you, you know, one guy videotaped it, and I do got a video of us performing. You know, that's the only thing I got out the show, <laughs> right? But it was like, like I said, just I had a horn player and a keyboard player that were at Vandenberg, you know, yeah, and they were just off the chain, man. I had a drummer that was here from D.C. His dad lived in San Maria, and he was out, and I met him, and. He was the first guy I met that had played electric drums and could. He, okay. was, he was an actual real drummer. Okay. Know, and he could play the electric ones or the, you know. Yeah. And he, like I said. What kind of music was it? Oh, it was all funk. We was okay. playing. We was playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, Ohio Players and James Brown. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just. And this is something I trip on sometimes. Like, I mean, I've been in situations where somebody's supposed to pay you, not gonna pay you. And a lot of times, there's no, like, I don't know what legal action can be taken. And this is, I'm saying for me, it's usually on a smaller scale. It's not mm-hmm. like a three-month rehearsal kind of situation. It's just like, oh, I just actually, just this month, I played a show in Sonora. And it was that kind of thing where the guy told me it was going to be $150 guarantee. And it was sort of out of my way. But I was like, oh, it's a friend who's booking it. I'll go play. And then we get there, and there was some misunderstanding. And I was cool with it at first. It was like, man, they just, it's a misunderstanding. Like, it was supposed to be 150 for two bands, not just for you. It was 75 each. And I was still like, all right, that's fine. And then the show, nobody was there. It was like a couple of my friends came out, and like maybe three other people were there. And the three people who were there that weren't my friends left halfway through the show. It wasn't their thing. Which is unfortunate, but that's not really my fault. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, the bartender started telling me, "Yeah, man, I can't, I can't give you seventy five dollars. We didn't make enough from the bar." And I'm like, "Well," he's like, "I I can't do it. I mean, I could give you like, you know, forty bucks or twenty. I forget what he said, but I was like, "No, that's not what a guarantee is." I mean, you. I don't want to have to explain this to you, but a guarantee means mm-hmm. this is how much I get, and the promotion's on you. That's not. I'm not the promoter. That's you know having low turnout is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I play a lot of shows with no guarantee, where it's a door deal or mm-hmm. pass the hat or something. Mm-hmm. And if if I know that's what to expect, then yeah, I just, go yeah, into just it. if it's up front, that's yeah. But in that situation, is there any legal recourse to actually say, I mean, oh, did you have a contract or anything with the lady? No, I didn't have a contract with her for that one. But since yeah. then, I, in the gig that's more than 500 bucks, I insist on the contract. Okay. Yeah. So, there, so that was yeah. a, was yeah, a yeah, learning, that was, that was learning That was my learning. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. If you're going to be the agent, if you're going to be the manager, then you better make sure it's guaranteed. You know what I'm right. saying? So, like, I got a contract, and I signed, yeah. and I get a deposit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and if you can't afford to give me a deposit, then I ain't worried about the contract because I know I can't deal with you. Okay, this, yeah. So that's how that's how I work now. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, but, man. So, but that was a, like I said, I lost a great band, man. I mean, a great band. Yeah, I mean that sounds worse than the money. I mean, in a way, like if that's what you're trying to do and you thought you had, I man, I mean, we were fixing to tear up the Central Coast, you know, just yeah. in. We went. We played a few places. Just went in and sit in. Hey man, can I got my band here? Can we sit in and do a couple of songs? Like yeah, and folks was like, 
where you guys playing? I was like, ah, we fixing the story now. Just right, know, just and so focused. So and that's part of it, right? That if you you were spending three months rehearsing with the idea that okay, now once we get it, yeah, nailed, this is gonna be our takeoff show. Now once we, we do, can, yeah, uh huh, yeah, we can make the rounds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I said, that's in see, and in '84 and '85, they still had. They were still bringing in bands in San Maria. The Vandenberg Inn still had bands. Yeah. You know, they were still doing them up there at um, Donovan and Broadway uh, at the time. It's AJ Spurs now, but it was a club okay. then. They had, you know, so they were bringing in bands that were on the circuit going from San Francisco to L.A. to Vegas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, well, hey, man, I'm going to jump back on the circuit, you know? Right. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I had the tour, had the... Uh, the tour lined up for the guy wanted me to play on the ships. You know, okay. He's like, yeah, cruise, well, let me, let, me, yeah, let me know when your band's ready, man, just because he had already checked this. Let me know when your band's ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll sign you guys up. You know, he said, now you have to be out like, you know, two or three months at a time. But, yeah. you know, I was like, as long as it ain't more than three months, I'll do three months. I don't know. Okay. Like, no problem. You know Everybody was down? Yeah. The band? Everybody yeah. was, like I said, hey, man, just we had talked to an agent. He had told us how much we could make a playing cruise, you know what I'm saying? But it was just, okay, so we do this and we start the cruise thing in two months. Yeah. And I said, we never got that far because, yeah. yeah. Did anybody, I'm just curious, did anybody in that whole crew, like, because you still paid them. You still paid yeah, everybody out of your yeah. pocket. Yeah. $250 mm-hmm. each. Me and the drummer are still friends right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah, so because yeah. I was going to say, in a, I can understand if somebody don't know you and then this feels like oh well that guy's shady but then you pay him uh-huh. that's to me that's also a testament to your that's, that's my thing you know, like, like, I, yeah, just, you, you, know, you got she got over on me big time you know right saying? and because she was a friend I didn't insist on there being a contract and right. after, after that move, I'm like, no, I don't care if it's a friend or not. This is professional. We're going to sign yeah. the contract. Yeah. You know, this, this is a business, and I ain't taking a chance on eating that much money. You know, or more importantly, not have my, be able to pay my guys. You know yeah. what I'm saying? When I don't put that time and energy in, you know, yeah. to make sure we're putting on a first class. Because I don't like to go on stage and half ass nothing. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm one of those guys like, hey, man, the more we practice, the better show we're going to be able to put on. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can just go up and do entertain raw but if we rehearse a show it's gonna be a better show yeah and that's just right i'm blessed i can go up and do it off the cuff but it's even more better if i can plan what we're going to do so we can really put on the show and we add visual stuff to it too so right but yeah that's that's my little horror story man but so you're still friends with the drummer yeah but did anybody did anybody still was anybody still down to work with you because you did end up Making good on your promise? Mm, yeah, I got a couple of guys. I got a couple of them to work with me a couple of years later. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, for about a year and a half, they were all like, just, nah. Phil was a great bass player, man, just like, man, but just, you ain't gonna get paid. Right. <laughs> you know, and that just killed me, man. It just, you know, because I'm it's all about my, my words, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just. And that was why I made sure they got paid, you know. I got, look, guys, no, I told you you was going to get this. You know, if I had to pay you out of my own pocket, you're going to get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I, wound up, I paid them all out of my own pocket. But it was just, it was just putting that much effort and energy into what I knew was going to be just killer band. Yeah. And then to have it just, the rug snatched out like that, just, and I never even considered. Right, right. Because this person had plenty of money. 
you know so I'm like okay so I know you're paying most of this out of your pocket so you know I ain't worrying about you know, how many people show up cause you know you got the money to cover it and right. it was like oh well I I lost 50 grand on this and I just lost $300,000 on this stock and it was like well couldn't you have set my money out the side before you played around you lost all that money now it's my problem you know right, right. cause you're sure almost $400,000 like this well, actually, I lost almost three quarters. Like, you lost three quarters of a million playing around with stocks. Oh, man. You know? That's like, why would you play around with three quarters of a million? You yeah, know what I'm saying? It's just like, that kind of money, man. If I was putting 100,000 in stock, I've got me an advisor. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> That's just me. I ain't right. Just, so that was how I got screwed on that one. It was like, this. well, I know you got money. Oh, no, I'm in debt right now. I'm just... So wait a minute. Three months ago, you was flush, had all of this cash and you just then went to I found out later that she started smoking crack oh damn yeah uh huh okay yeah and that explained it all to me and once <laughs> oh, I found geez. out about two months later I went to some party man and she was there smoking crack and I was like oh sh- I, now I know what happened she got down that went after that crack pipe and all of a sudden yeah. like whew, she was sprung right you know just man I've seen a lot of folks get that stuff just took them out in the 80s. Yeah. Just, that yeah. stuff just... My when friend's did, dad, man. really hit? Man, was that like, early, like that late 70s? Yeah, late 70s, or 80s, man. Just everybody was going to the Richard Pryor match. Hey, who's this? Richard Pryor? With a match on fire? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, you don't remember no. when Richard Pryor blew, him, blew himself up uh, trying to make it his own crack? No, I don't Oh, know yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, he went to the hospital. He was all burned and stuff, right? You know, Mixing and making his own crack and stuff, right? So, but the joke that. was everybody would light a match and do this. So, who was this? That's Richard Pryor running down the street when he was on fire. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it was cold, but yeah, it was just like, say, my friend, his dad retired from General Motors. Had his home was maybe four blocks from the Coliseum. The Raiders moved down to LA. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, we were going down to park at his house, you know, just everything yeah. a park. And then when was this? In the eighties. Okay. And then uh, hey, I remember the Raiders being an LA team my whole childhood, mm-hmm. but I guess I don't. I don't know the early. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And what he, what his sons did was his sons hooked him on crack. So he retired, started smoking crack with his sons, and next thing you know, his retirement check in enough. He borrowed against his house, which was all paid for. Oh man. You know what I'm saying? So he lost his house. He lost his yeah. car. And his pension couldn't come in fast enough. Right. His pension would come in on the first, and by the tenth, he was like dead broke again. You know. I mean, Damn. like say this, I was like this. So let me get this straight. You start your dad smoking crack so you can have a buddy to smoke with, cause you know he had money. Now he done lost his house. You ain't got no place to stay. He ain't got no place to stay. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you still smoking crack. Right. That's. I, just, I mean, I've never really dealt with addiction at all, but I mean, it's not a logical thing, right? They're not thinking rationally about oh this is a good idea this is not a good idea right at that point you you're doing what what your body's telling you yeah you don't yeah it's just i'm just blessed man that i never went down that that road you know what i'm saying i tried that rabbit hole never had the desire you know like oh man no no that's okay thank you no thank you and i don't know i'm curious what your perspective because i mean again i'm i mean i was born in 79 you know i was a little kid in the 80s and uh I feel like nowadays, crack has such a 
connotation to it where like I mean there's people smoking crack but it's not it's certainly not glamorous oh no it's, no. it's sort of like the most see uh, nowadays everybody's smoking meth yeah cause it's cheaper and they say it's a better high and I'm like you're stoned either way so I don't know about what's better or not you right know? But I'm just saying it's both meth and crack are like I don't know how to say this, but like it's poor people's drugs. It's mm-hmm. not you know, it's not oh, yeah. nobody's doing it who's like got money. Mm-hmm. It's it's poor folks who are doing it. It's just like more white folks are doing meth maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but I don't know when, like in the eight, when you talk about this lady who was rich. Oh yeah, crack, man! Like in the eighties, was it like mm-hmm. was it in vogue? Was it like that? It, that's the word. It was, was there a, it was in vogue? When, it was like, yeah, it was. It was coming out, man. Crack? Yeah, they were just they were all everybody was dabbing in it. They were just and then once they figured out how to make it, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Because when it first came out, they weren't selling rocks. You had to make it in there, your own rocks. And then they finally figured out, oh, well, if I just make it and sell it already in the rocks, I'll sell more of it. And that's when it right. just really just, everybody started using the little vials and it just really exploded. Okay. Yeah. At first it was just you buy the powder and stuff and you had to make, you know, put okay. it on a spoon and heat it up and stuff. And I was like, man, you go through all that for, and you're high for five minutes. <laughs> I mean, man, I, I mean, I like I said, I, I had some friends, man, and I just watched them. And I was like, this. they're like, no, nah, man, hey, like, I'll smoke my little bit of pot. You just knock yourself out. Oh, man, you really should try this. No. So you didn't ever try it? You didn't even try it one time? <laughs> no. no. I never had no desire. I mean, I, no, was, I hear you. I, didn't I mean, I didn't, I didn't smoke any pot until I was 22. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I just was like, nah, nah. No, I, that's the one thing my dad did tell me, you know. He's like, listen, the drugs are the drugs there's girl there's boy and I'm like you know none of it made sense to me the girl and boy went I don't know what that means yeah the uh, girl was the heroin and the boy was the coke okay yeah back in those days and he said he said there's a reason that you see these guys cause he took me down a place where I guess was junkies rolling and the guys were all sitting all you right. know and he's like look at him look yeah, I want you to see you know and I'm like Okay, so why am I looking at these guys? He says, because that's what drugs are do to you. Okay. You know, so he's like, says, the way they work is they give you this great feeling for a few moments, and then you spend the rest of the time trying to get that great feeling back. Right. And you're only going to get it the first time. <laughs> right. And that's what he told me. He says, so you try it once, everybody's like, oh, wow, because it's the first time you've been there, and then the rest of the time you spend chasing, trying to get back there, and it's never going to be as good as it was the first time. Right. You know, he says, Long as you don't try it, you're fine. I said, but if you try it, you're gonna be just like them. I said they ain't plan to be there, you know what I'm saying? Right. But some they got the bright idea, well let me try this and see. He said, and once you try it, you can't untry. Right. So as long as you don't try it, you'll be fine. Right. But if you try it, you're gonna be just like that. You know what I'm saying? And you ain't gonna be able to look me in the eye and say, Well, I didn't know, because I'm telling you right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think I was seven. Damn. You know? But Wait, I mean where'd you grow up? Richmond, Virginia. You died. <laughs> That's some real shit. Oh, yeah, but, but I mean, it was like, <laughs> just, but I'm hey, just man, saying. like I say, just like say, we, you know, I got a bunch of brothers and sisters, but he made it a point to show, hey, man, this is I'm not, and I'm not saying it was a bad idea. I think it's good, but I just, you know, now I have a lot of peers who were parents and they talk about how parenting changes over the years. And I trip on how, like, you know, when I was a kid, you just 
walk home from school and and now like a lot of parents you know are with their kids at all times uh-huh. like, can't, can't uh-huh. leave them you can't for, leave them yeah and part of that's fear like if you're living in a city or whatever but uh i think i'm just thinking about how you know i think right now for just for example there's a lot of this this conversation around police brutality and how like if you're if you're raising black kids you you know most, a lot of parents have this conversation about avoiding the police and being careful around the police and what to say or not to say around the police what to do what not to do and and a lot of white folks look at that and like that's ridiculous you have to tell like that's how fucked our culture is uh-huh. you have to have that conversation with a little kid uh-huh. like a, a 6 year old shouldn't have to hear you know to keep your hands up if you're around you know where the cops can see them you know but I'm tripping on that and then thinking about you as a so what year would this would have been like this was in maybe 57 and you're 7 years old Mm-hmm. And your dad in Richmond, Virginia is showing mm-hmm. you. Yeah, showing me all of the junkies yeah. and what drugs will do to you. So I guess you don't, you know, want right. to go down that path. You know what I'm saying? I use, it's your life. You can choose to do what you want. Yeah. But if you if you try this, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, just, I, like somebody, you going to smoke some pot? Hell no. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm tripping on because you smoke some pot. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I smoke pot. Hey, man, just... <laughs> But I mean, it, so did it take you till you're 22 to you till you were like, okay, well, there's drugs and then there's yeah. weed and it's not the mm-hmm, same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was till, till 22 before I really, really wanted to, you know, like that's you know, it was, it was always it was always that. around me. But I was like, just now, nah, I mean, just because I was playing with old guys when I was 16. You know, yeah. so I was in the club. They had, you know, just the bass player in the background. He was just yeah. like, oh man, you just sit back here high, just you know, what I'm saying they was yeah. all drinking. I wasn't supposed to be in there because he had to be 21, but. Right. I was in there playing jazz, having a good old time. Like, right. yeah, oh yeah, it was right. So you were drinking and smoking weed, but you weren't smoking. I wasn't weed smoking then. weed. I was just, you know, I'd have, I'd have a drink or so. You yeah, know but I didn't have but two drinks. The most I ever had was two drinks. Okay, because I didn't. If you start drinking before you finish playing, it'll mess up your, your yeah. timing and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. It's like now nah, I just, I might have one drink near the end of the night, then I have another one when we're done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I no, no, I just I'd seen too many old guys drinking and <laughs> get all sloppy and stuff, so no. Nah, right. No, nah, I'm just saying I was never a big alcohol person, but you have a couple of drinks and you go home and like, oh I can actually shut down and go to sleep here. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Because I had to get up at five to go to work. You know. So, right. Yeah, so it was But it, it was great, man. It was great. Like I say, I just got to play some places, but she just she messed that up for me big time, and that was my biggest regret. It's like, man, I put together the kind, kind band. Like I said, and the guys from Vandenberg just fell in my lap, you know? Yeah. That's my, hey, man, I met these guys from Vandenberg, and they, they played, and they wanted to get in the band, right? And I said, well, hey, you know? And the keyboard player was off the chain, man. Yeah. I mean, he was playing Herbie Hancock, so I was like, this is gonna work, you know? Yeah. And then the horn player came out, I was like, oh man, we started playing Mr. Magic. It's like, oh, sweet. I, these guys are real, you know, so I had, like, I had to kill a crew. And I, I guess in a small town, that goes quick, right? Oh. Like, it's not like you got tons to choose from, and, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, Santa Maria, I don't know how big Santa Maria was. Oh, Santa Maria then was about 55,000. Right. Mm hmm. I don't know what it is now. It's oh, now and now it's the biggest city in Santa Barbara County. It's like 115,000 folks. Oh, man. That's yeah, crazy. it's bigger than Santa Barbara. I think I remember 
I vaguely remember it being like somewhere around seven seventy thousand or something when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I always then even thought it, it was weird to know that it was bigger than San Louis. Uh-huh. Though San Louis was uh-huh. where I would go uh-huh. to like uh-huh. Yeah. Show, uh-huh. go see a show or something. Oh yeah, was, man. Just... There was nothing going on in Santa Maria oh, musically. Dead as a rock. Yeah, dead but, as a rock. But I'd go to either Santa Barbara or San Louis for shows. And then I remember when I found out, like, no, St. Louis is actually a lot smaller. It's just mm-hmm. that there's a college there. Yeah, there's a college there. So, yeah, culture so around uh-huh. there. Theaters and, and, you know, venues and stuff. So this lady, she got addicted and then she was yeah, in Yeah, she had she a couple of, she had a couple of businesses. And like I say, she just, last time I saw her, she had went back and opened up her hairdresser parlor and she was doing hair again. Okay. You know, so like, you know. so that was like a major fall for her. Starting with this, she was opening a new business and it, fa- it yeah, failed. Yeah, she had, yeah, she had, she opened two new businesses and she opened a vintage clothing store. You okay. know, and I was like, and the prices, and I was like, man, you these prices are more than in the new stores. You know, I'm right. thinking like thrift store. You know, she's like, yeah. no, 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 it's not a thrift store. It's a vintage, vintage store. store. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so this was the same Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then That's she opened this. Then, then she opened one up in uh, uh, AG. Yeah, man. I was like, say she took me for a loop on that one. Like, because she was a friend, was the reason I got caught off guard like that. Because normally, if it's gonna be a grand, it's always, you know, have a contract. You know, just to but cover. did you have that policy then, or was that just afterwards? No, I, afterward, I made it a point to make that a policy, that whether was, friend yeah, or not. Yeah, friend or not. Yeah. But before that, before that, before it had, I mean, I had contracts in. I just didn't make her sign one because she was a friend. You know what I'm right. I wasn't thinking, and I never dreamed that she would stiff me. Right. You know that. That's I mean, the word I was yeah. That I, 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 it never entered my mind that I might get stiffed on this game. Right. You know what I'm saying. Right. But so I started to ask you earlier. Without a contract, you can't really. You can take them to small claims court for fifteen hundred and under. You know okay. What I'm yeah. But that's gonna take you like three months or so. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you can't take them to a small claims court. But at the time, did you consider it, or just mm, at the time, it was just no. I didn't consider taking the court because I still need to pay my guys. Even if I go to court three months, I still three months. I had to, you know, they still wasn't gonna get paid. So I didn't even consider going to court. I right. just was like, no, I got to cover my guys, man. Right. Just, you know. Okay, sweetie, you know you're on the hook for me for fifteen hundred bucks. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. I got well, then you're gonna have to get it. You know what I'm saying? Because I need to pay these guys, and then it was like. Oh, no, you ain't calling me. I ain't heard from you. Like, oh, okay. So I go up to the store and like, oh, she's not here. Like, okay, all right. So, right. Then, okay, I'll, I'm gonna bite the bullet and eat that one. Man, you know what I'm saying. And then when I did see her, I was like, just, hey, Phil, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm doing fine. How you doing? You know, just right. Well, so the next time you saw her, she was smoking. She uh-huh. was like, yeah, she smoking was crack like I said. She, I saw her at the party. She was smoking crack, and I was like, that it, that that was all I needed to see right there. It's like, oh, okay, she gone down that road now. Right now, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You now. mean both in terms of like why she doesn't have the money, but uh-huh. then also why uh-huh. had no sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes, man. Like I say, it was just eye opening because I just she was a nice person. You know what I'm saying, and I just you know. Smoke some pot every now and then. I may maybe seen her do a line of coke, but you know that was it. It was and it was like sparingly. It wasn't like oh, there's coke out. You know, right? This, you know, so yeah. I do construction work, and I can't tell you how many times after the job, it's like we're done. I'm going to get in my car, and everybody's going over to the pickup, and I'm like, so what's going on with the pickup? Okay, 
and they got like two cases of beer. Everybody gonna sit behind and drink beer out there. It's like, no, dog, I'll take a beer and take it with me. <laughs> oh no, man! Just like, oh. I sat there one evening and I drank a six pack. I was so drunk. <laughs> right. And everybody got in their car to drive home. I was like, man, if I drive home, I'm gonna get a ticket. Right. Well, we're all drunk. We're gonna. This is my last time drinking with you guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> after that, it's like, nope. I don't care how many. Oh man, hey, we, you like that Colt Forty Five stuff? I even went and found you a case of Colt Forty Five here. I'm like, thank you very much. Put it in the back of my trunk, <laughs> <laughs> sir. I, I mean, I grabbed it so fast. Oh, thank you very much. Went straight to the car, put it in the trunk. Okay, guys, see you tomorrow. <laughs> he wouldn't say there drinking beer with us. I'm like, no, because when I get drunk, I want to be at home. Right. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to drink beer and then I gotta drive. No. Yeah. You know what I'm saying this, and I think about it a couple times. Like, man. I woke up once in front of the house, key was on, it ran out of gas. Wait, you woke up in the car? I woke up in the car, okay. in front of my house, with the key on, because it had ran out of gas. Okay. I pulled, and I don't, from Harry's. I left, okay. I finished playing at Harry's. Yeah. I must have had six shots lined up there, kamikazes. Okay. I damaged all six of them, went and got in the car and drove home. Okay. Uh-huh. And fell asleep. And got home. Fell asleep in front of my house with the car running. Didn't even oh, turn. Didn't right, even right. turn it off. Right. Woke up. Got. I'm home. <laughs> Key dudes. Like okay. So I didn't open the door. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he turned the car. <laughs> the car door was open. The car door because it was do. You know we opened the key and that. <laughs> like I woke up. That's what woke me up. Like, what the hell? Like, wait, wait. How long have you been in the car? Do you think, I mean, would you slept I, all night or was I, it hours? It, this was about 5.30 in the morning. I played at Harry's till 1. Yeah. So I was out in front of the house probably from 2 to 5 with the car. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had a quarter tank of gas when I pulled up. You know what I'm saying? Because I, right. I, when I, I had less than a half tank, oh, I can go a couple times. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, well, what does that tell you? Right. No, not again. It scared me when I realized that I didn't even remember driving home. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I woke up. Yeah. I don't remember getting off the freeway. I don't remember pulling in front of the house. I don't remember none of that. Right. And when I realized, man, so you can operate a vehicle like that and not even be aware. Right. It's like, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. I learned my lesson. You don't have to worry about that one no more. Right, right. Mm, so, nah, uh-uh. I might have a beer or so, but I, uh-uh. Yeah. Nah, nope, I don't drink and drive. Uh, nope, uh, guys. Nope, nope. We're gonna be a couple hours. I got to let the alcohol get out of my system. I ain't yeah. trying to just, you know. And now I don't even like just. I don't even drink beer anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just. I got alcohol right there that I've had on there probably ten years. It's like. Pfft. Right. You know, unless I got some company over, you know, and fix my drink, I. Don't need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a full bottle of Chevy's over there in the corner. You know, he broke the seal on them and stuff, you know, because I ain't finished the other one. You know what I'm saying? And I opened <laughs> it for my birthday in December. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, that's how often I drink. I don't. Yeah, I, I love me some beer, but now I get I get this gout stuff, so I can't really drink the beer because it's. Yeah. That's the pits, man. Just. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. I, lo- I love a good cold beer. It stopped loving me. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm at the point now where, because I'm retired, all the places I play, they give me free beer. Right. Hey, you want 805 feel good? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I still, man, come up, put one right in my hand. I like go to, oh, God, man. Hey, man, you want a beer? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I get free beer where I go, Dad. I can't drink it. It's like, oh. 
See, and that's that's part of I think why I'd say I'm I'm grateful that I kind of developed the ability to resist the the pressure. I mean, I never developed a taste for beer, so it's different. Mm-hmm. But but uh, yeah, touring. I mean, I've been on you know permanent tour for over ten years, and yeah, I play lots of shows that I get free drinks, but. Getting something for free if you don't like it is not the, really the, yeah. You know, it's because it's free. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'll sometimes eat some food that's not good because it's free. Because I figure well, I gotta eat, but it's not like it's not like there's nutrition in alcohol or soda or anything. You know, like if I can get some if I get some food that's free, it's like not the greatest. I'll probably still eat it uh-huh. a lot of times. You know, it had to be pretty bad for me to turn it down in general. But I mean, I'll. I don't turn down much as far as food, but if it's like either alcohol or soda or like candy or something where there is no actual nutritional value at all, like it's, it's, you're still going to have to eat a meal, like just mm-hmm. like you would anyway, <laughs> then I just, I try to let it go. Yeah. And that's a funny thing too, because I feel like as growing up poor, you, you sometimes you know, my mom definitely had that. Like, we don't waste anything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Clean your plate. Yeah, clean and, your plate. But I, I, I've catch myself applying that to everything, even though it doesn't actually make sense. Like somebody, I'll be in a place where I didn't ask for a drink, but they just pour me a drink anyway, and I hate the idea of something getting thrown away. Uh-huh. But I don't uh-huh. know anybody there, and I'm not just gonna go and give it to a random stranger. So I'm like, sorry, I don't. I know I'm good. I don't. I didn't ask for a beer. I don't really drink beer. And then there's this little voice in my head. It's like, well, don't waste it. You can't waste stuff, man. We don't <laughs> like, waste stuff in this <laughs> house. voice in your head early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have to just be like, yeah, but it's it's, it's not doing it's me not any me. good. There you it's go. not doing anybody any good for me to drink something I don't want to drink. So I guess it's getting wasted, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That's that's. When you were talking about this lady smoking crack, it made me think of, I still hear stories about George Clinton still smoking crack to this day, and it, it blows my mind because I feel like that shit killed everybody. But how is he still smoking crack? Like in 2018, as like a successful like. How did he be successful and smoke crack? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, I don't understand. I saw him play this year at a festival. Actually, I don't know if I told you about this, but so last year when my dad died, uh-huh. I was at Tree Fort Music Festival. Uh-huh. And so it was, a, I mean, it's a, anytime you, know, you hear your dad died, it's hard, but it was a strange experience because I'm in the middle of this very joyous, mm-hmm. happy place uh-huh. and that's happening. And I'm sort of like feeling disconnected, like, oh man, my dad just passed. And it was, it was a surprise, you know, uh-huh. nobody was really expecting it, mm-hmm. but then I was there and then this I go to that festival I've, I've played there for like the last four years and this year a few months before I saw that the headliner was George Clinton <laughs> and I was like oh man oh, yeah the, the one year anniversary of my dad passing is gonna be I'm gonna be seeing George Clinton that day <laughs> like that's a trip <laughs> like I guess I should say for listeners that's maybe it's not so my dad was was a funketeer. He was oh George man. Let favorite. me tell you, I can remember hopping in the van with your dad, your mom, and GT. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> going going to see going to see man. Just be backstage. Like, hey! Yeah. I was like, man, you guys really do know him. It's like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and more importantly, he knows us. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. yeah. Did you know him from Detroit? Huh? Did you know him from Detroit? Or did you just like... I met him in Detroit, but I didn't know him. Okay. You see, I, yeah. My first experience with them was we won the Battle of the Bands in Detroit. Okay. And for winning, we got to play at the, the State Fair. Okay. And then we got to play at the 20 Grand. Well, back then, in the early 70s, the 20 Grand was the place. This okay. place had maybe 200 bowling lanes. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And then downstairs, they had three different clubs Okay. under the bowling lanes. Yeah. One was like for the little kids, and the other two were, it had to be 21 and over. Well, we yeah. were playing on one side. The Funkadelics were playing on the other side. Okay. So we take a break. The DJ comes over from the other side, bringing them over to our side. So, you know, I had no clue who they was. Okay. They came over, got plugged into my amp. <laughs> Wait, how I ain't never, I, huh? How oh, I was uh, 20. Okay. I was 20. Okay. And the drummer comes through. This big-ass diaper. <laughs> fucking tie around his neck, sit down on the drum. Rolls on the football. Yeah. Now I know this ain't a spring. This is my drum was pedal. I mean, when he came, <laughs> you know how hard it is to do on a football. Right, I mean, yeah. he just went. <laughs> and we're standing back looking at these guys because number one, the crowd went nuts. Yeah. When they said they were bringing them over, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The fuck and that crowd went. We didn't know who the fuck Dallas was. Right. And we were on tour. You know okay. what I'm saying? We were on tour. We were on tour. Yeah, I was okay. in. I was in Kentucky. And we had just went to we went to Indiana. Okay, we, so you we weren't to, living in. You no, I wasn't. Yeah, I moved. I moved to Detroit after that. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I they made such an impression on us. They came over and played on our instrument. They did two songs, and when they left, we was like, the next day, next morning, we went down to the record shop and bought everything <laughs> we could find. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then we continued our tour, but we came out then with. Coat linings, you know, like they had, you know, ties tied around the side of your head and stuff. And we were playing their stuff, man. And the crowd was going nuts. Okay. Everybody already knew who it was. We were the ones that were. But this is like early 70s. Yeah, this is like, a. This is, heard him in, in, I had, this was, or? this was 70. Yep. Yeah. I had never heard him. We were on tour. I had never heard him. And they were like, they're from Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And. Then they were still separate. It was the Parliaments and the Funkadelics. Right, two and separate the, things. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and one was a singing group, one was the band. And then, yeah, they, yeah. then they merged. Right. And shit just took off after that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was like just, I'd seen the Motown reviews and stuff, but I had never, didn't know who they was, like say, but as soon as the guy announced that they would come over, put your hands together, and never bring them over from next door, you know? And I mean, the whole crowd went like it was the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we're like just, okay. And like saying, then they right. started coming through and it was like, he ain't got no shirt on, he got on the vest. <laughs> and when the dude came through with a diaper, we were like, <laughs> See, who are these freaks? Ain't nobody, ain't nobody ever done that shit. You know, you got the insane clown posse doing makeup and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. But even like Kiss came later yeah I mean, yeah like even that yeah happen. yeah no kiss it was not then no yeah. no they these guys were way ahead yeah. man they were just, like i said they had the the jeans with the holes in them and stuff yeah. you know just man nobody wore jeans with holes in them back then not on purpose no no i mean it wasn't a fashion statement it was like just and they were like like i said just, just 
when he came out with the diaper on, man, I was like at a necktie. And the tie was like this, and it was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, say, another guy came up with jeans on, man, just playing the shit out the guitar, you know? Yeah. And just. Was it Eddie Hazel? Yeah. 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 It was, that was like I said, they came out, man, like I said, and I was just, and I'm looking at the guy playing the bass, man, and he's just killing it. And I'm like, just, was man. It, was it Bootsy or was uh, it somebody else? No, it wasn't Bootsy. It was somebody Bootsy? else. Okay. It was somebody else. I knew who Bootsy was, yeah. I had met Bootsy a couple of years earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Wait, yeah. Wait, Bootsy wasn't playing with him yet? No, Bootsy wasn't playing with them. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that. No, no, no. Boosie was still with Brown then. And okay. He, and he, oh, and he right, left, right. yeah, just, and I, I met him when he was playing with Brown. Okay. When I was in Kentucky, when I joined this band, uh, the band leader used to be in Ray Charles' band. Okay. And so he took us to meet Ray Charles and stuff, man, and then uh, he took us to meet James Brown when James Brown was down, and that's why I met Bootsy. And this was in Louisville, or where were you? Where were it, was, you? it was in uh, Madisonville. Madisonville, Kentucky. Yeah, Madisonville, okay, yeah. Know. Near Louisville, but it's Madisonville. Okay. Man, I did want to ask you because I'm have to, I'm have to get going pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was there any other? You said maybe you had a couple, couple stories. I don't know. We got talking about this. No, the other one was uh, back in '68, and I was in a band. I just started playing in Kentucky, and we played at this little place called Sturgis, okay. Kentucky. And we finished playing there, and then we went to the restaurant next door to eat, and they came up and told my boy, you can't come in here. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay. what do you mean I can't come in here? You know, first they came and said, boy, you're in my seat. Wait, so who said that? The One of the patrons in the bar. We went in the bar. Everybody else was sitting over at the table. Wait, wait. So you were playing there, or you were just... We had just we had just finished playing the gig next door. Okay, and then you came in there just we, we came We came over to get some food. Everybody right. was sitting at the table. I went over to the, the bar, and the guy came up and said I was in his seat. I'm not thinking. I'll just get up and move to the next door. <laughs> you know? And then, okay. and, then, and then put a hand on my shoulder. Boy, you still in my seat. You know? So then I turn around and look at this guy, and it's like this. Well, which one is this? Is that one or this one? They're all my seats. So now I look at him like this, you know, and then you're going to have to share this one because I ain't moving off this one. So then he spin me around on the stool. Okay. Boy, are you going to get out of my seat? And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, okay, I can see why this is going to work. You know, he don't like black folks. Right. Okay, I ain't got no problem with that. I took the ketchup bottle. And I smashed him in the face so hard. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just looked at him. I looked at him. I grabbed the ketchup ball and I just smashed him. And after I smashed the ketchup ball, I grabbed the ashtray and I hit him on the cheek. And he went down. And when he went down, I took everything on the counter. Next thing I know, my buddies would grab me. Come on, man, let's go. Let's, for the cops coming, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But that was my friend. I, I mean, I just went off. I just lost it. Yeah. I just lost it. Right. Yeah. Like I say, Justin, I don't know if it was the tone of his voice or the look in his eye or what, but I just remember looking at him and he was like, no, boy, they're all my seats. You can't be in here. And I, oh, okay. Right. So it's gonna, it's me and you, mano, mano. So right. I'm like, okay. And I just grab, catch a ball, turn around, I gotta get him. Right. You just like, okay. Yeah. You're gonna try and kill me, so let me just kill you first. Damn. That's, yeah, it was like, just, <laughs> hey, man, like I said, just... Oh. It probably was a great thing that I hadn't... Wasn't in Detroit, because I would have had my gun, and I would have just pulled out and just shot him. Okay. You know what I'm but see, in Detroit, you carry a gun just to make sure you can get home. Right. Okay? Because you can get stopped by some of the hoodlums out there. Oh, man, I like those shoes. Give me those shoes. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they'll shoot you and take your shoes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how rough Detroit is. Yeah. So I was like, but when I ain't in Detroit, I don't have a need to carry around no gun because I don't feel threatened. Right. You know what I'm saying? But Detroit is like Wild West. So you grew up in Richmond. I grew up in Richmond. You moved to Kentucky. And I left at 16. I went on tour. And then I finished tour. And I went to Kentucky. And I joined the Job Corps. Okay. And that's where I started going to culinary arts school. Right. Yeah. So that was in Madisonville. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I'm just... So I grew up in California. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was deathly afraid of the South. I mean, I still am, but, but, but like, I didn't, I didn't go to the South until I was like 18. That was like my, I went to Louisiana, like, like Lake Charles area for, mm-hmm. for the first time when I was, I flew out there for, uh, with a friend for like Thanksgiving when I was 18. But then like, I didn't have any real, uh, context other than mostly movies. And I was terrified oh. of the South. Uh-huh. I mean, but it's like, but part, I think part of it was, because when I was um, actually, so, you know, you were living on Thornburg, uh-huh. and we were over at Sheila Lane uh-huh. in Santa Maria. Uh, the first time I ever really heard somebody call anybody a nigger was these folks from Mississippi who lived, they lived in the building right next to it, and they called my little sister a nigger. And, and I, I don't think, I, I mean, I'd heard people say the word. It's not like I'd never heard it, but I think Lana was like, five or something she was little i was so would have made me like eight or no nah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe we a little bit older than that i can't remember i was probably around 10 so maybe she was like seven or eight mm-hmm. or something like that but you know she's a little kid and i'd heard people make jokes and you know stupid little white boys making jokes about you know why did the blah 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 whatever but as far as like somebody going well you're a nigger you know i hadn't really I had seen that. that. Uh-huh. No, and my little sister, I don't think she dealt with She's a little kid. You know, in California, that, yeah, she, don't, you, that yeah. she don't roll. And uh, this couple, or this uh, family from Mississippi, I don't remember where, somewhere in Mississippi, they just moved in, and there was a little boy who was about my age, and a little girl who was about my sister's age, and we were playing with them. They were f- friends as far as we were concerned. And then one day, you know, this little boy, I mean, maybe, you know, we're little kids. Uh-huh. We call names, like uh-huh. whatever stuff. But he pulls that out, and none of we hadn't heard that. <laughs> and and the law starts crying, and she goes up to my mom and says, "Like, mama, what's a nigger?" And my mom's like, "What did, what did you do that?" You know. And and my mom, you know, yeah, you know, my mom, know, she, yeah. she's a white lady, but she don't take none yeah, of that racist she, shit. She don't. That's what she I love about your that. mom, man. She, but I mean, she's raising a black daughter and uh-huh, like a, you know mixed uh-huh, kids, so uh-huh. she's got to be aware of that stuff. But she went to go talk to the little kids parents you know expecting him to be like hey your son said this and that he would be in trouble and then he wasn't in trouble and that that's where she was about to whoop that dude's ass because she she goes and tells his little kid's dad you know this is where this is what your son just said and he's like oh well that's not where we're from that's not a big deal it's just everybody says that it's it's not really not a big deal and my mom's like excuse me well you are in california now mm-hmm. you don't talk like that um, and he wasn't he he was acting like it was nothing no big deal and yeah. she she actually had to restrain I remember actually her were like I better get this guy out of my face right now because I'm about to I'm about to go off on fight. him and I don't want to <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen but um, but anyway all that is to say for me I ended up moving to Nashville in like 2002 
And I remember, you know, I you know I got cousins in North Carolina, and I was like passing through. Actually, my grandma was in North Carolina at the time visiting, and so I I met up with her and met some cousins I hadn't met before, and I'm like talking to all these folks and being like, hey, I'm. I'm kind of scared <laughs> of, of like Tennessee. I don't. I don't know. Like, am I? I mean, y'all from here? Uh-huh. Uh You know, and I'm. I'm light skinned I'm. I like sometimes pass for white. I'm like. I know I'm not in the same boat, but I'm still kind of scared. Uh-huh. Am I? Uh-huh. Should I be scared or what? And he was like, "Oh man, you in Nashville? You fine? Like in Nashville, it's a city. It's you know. Yeah, there's racist folks, but they ain't gonna really fuck with you. But." He's like, now, if you go outside of Nashville, you grow out in the country, and it's like a time machine, and then, now you find yourself uh-huh. like going oh, back in yeah. time. Oh, so yeah. I'm just curious, though, but you you growing up in Virginia, uh-huh. and then moving, I don't know, Madisonville, but is it a small town? I'm guessing. Yeah, Madisonville's, a, at that time, it was like maybe 80,000 folks. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, were you already dealing with that shit in, in Oh, man, listen. Okay, my grandfather was a white man. Okay. Okay. I've been dealing with this shit all my life. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The black folks were like this. Oh, you think you're better than this because you're light-skinned. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I got that growing up. I, the only reason I didn't have to do a bunch of fighting because I had so many brothers. Okay. Okay. And they know like, oh, no, if you hit that one, <laughs> if he can't beat you, he got he going to get one of his bigger brothers to come over and whoop your ass. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then I had a thousand cousins. Yeah. I got in more fights because I was light-skinned. Okay. You know what I'm saying? This. And then when Virginia integrated schools right. in 65, I was one of the first kids that elected to go to the all-white school. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Just because I'm, let's see what they got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I went up there and it was like this, okay, they ain't bad. I ain't get no, no hassles, you know what I'm saying? And okay. a couple of guys that, that weren't the hassle was like this, okay, well, step on in. You know what I'm saying? And when I yeah. knocked the shit out of the first one, I just hit him right in the throat, man. He thought he was going to fucking die. Yeah. One of those marine tricks my brother told me. Like, Look, if you're going to fight a bunch of people, like, hurt them as fast and as hard as you can. You ain't trying to fight them. You know, hurt them so they'll, like, stop attacking you and try to pre- preserve themselves. So the first yeah. one, I just hit in the throat, and he's like, I ain't had to worry about him. The other one, I just... Yeah. <laughs> I just beat the crap out of him. Because me and my brother, we would fight just to fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, okay, he hit me. Oh, that hurt. Look, I don't know. A little bit higher. You know, you know so we, yeah. we had already learned how to throw punches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it was like, just when they wanted to fight, it was like this uh, one fight. And after that, it was like this. What happened to you? That black guy beat me up. No more problem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Yeah, like I said, my dad, my grandfather was a white man, and on some of the stories my dad told him about the way that he got hassled and stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, he, he was a welder. Okay. Yeah, because that paid great money. And I remember clear as day, we went down to take him lunch one time and couldn't figure out why everybody was looking, you know? Yeah. Because they didn't realize when my mom showed up and showed up with us, right? And that's when they realized, oh, I mean, he married to a black woman? Yeah. You know, it was like this, you know, in Richmond, it was like this, oh, man, you married to, you know, he said, next day he had to change jobs. Oh, jeez. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's like, you know, some of the stories I heard, you know, it was like, what? Man, I thought I had it hard, but my dad must have had just, you know, with his dad being a white man, he in Richmond, man, in Virginia. It was yeah. like, it was really, like I say, he just, he was a good guy, man. Like I say, like I say he, he told me all the good stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, my dad spanked me one time. Yeah. One time, you know what I'm saying? Did he teach you how to use a ketchup bottle? <laughs> 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 no, 
No, that was something I learned. I, I saw somebody in a, a movie take a beer bottle and do that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And thank goodness there wasn't no plastic bottle like there are now. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was a nice thick bottle, man, because I mean, I hit him like, and it broke in my hand. I didn't get cut. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now, do you think he was. Do you think he wasn't expecting a fight? No. Like, he thought he was just going to tell you. He what to thought do. he. This is my world, okay? I'm going to run this nigga out here. He never even dreamed that I would, like, stand up to him less more than hit him. <laughs> right. He never dreamed. You know what I'm saying? It was like, nigga, I'm telling you to move. You better move. What? Come arrest this boy. Get this boy out of here. You know what I'm saying? That's what right. he was expecting something, you know, just. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. I'm going to call the sheriff on you. I'll get your ass out of here, you know. Right. And uh, I was just, when I, when I saw the look in his eyes, like. Okay, so he's gonna try and hurt me. Okay, I see how this is gonna work. Well, if you can't get out of it, I ain't, I don't like to make the first move, but if I see it's gonna happen anyway, yeah, I'm definitely gonna make the first move. Yeah. Okay, I ain't gonna wait till that you hit me and then see if I can recover. Uh, hell no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I felt danger in danger, yeah. and I reacted. Yeah. Okay, that's how I was. I felt in danger, and I reacted. Yeah. I, I mean, like, the thing that scared me is, and I guess. You know, some of these stories I, I hear from folks where, like, something like that happens and then the cops are going to, oh. you know, come and arrest you. And oh, then, yeah. I mean, you guys got out of there pretty quick. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I went to South Carolina with my friend in Detroit to help him drive a U Haul back because his grandmother passed. Yeah. And while I was there, we went, they took me down to someplace. We went swimming. We came back. They pulled in this little place to get some gas. I went in this door to get a six pack. Yeah. I put it on the counter. He was like, boy, you can't buy no beer in here. I'm like, oh. And I get it all the time because I don't look like I'm 21, right? I reach for my wallet and he grabs a six pack. Boy, you can't buy no beer in here. You know? And I'm like, oh, man, yes, I can. I'm 21. I'm not even tripping, right? Right. Next thing I know, my buddy's in the store, and they just manhandled me. I mean, they came in and grabbed me from each side, like, and dragged me out the store. Wait a minute, I'm going to pay for the beer. Like, come on, come on, get in the car. We got in the car. Like, man, they just started letting us buy gas here. We got to see the money on, on the tank oh, there. your friend grabbed you out. Yeah. Okay. They came, when they realized yeah. I went in this, I was yeah, in the oh. store, <laughs> they came in and dragged me out because I wasn't supposed to. They had just started letting them buy gas there. Okay. And they had to leave the money on top of the rock. Oh, they couldn't yeah. even take it in the store. This is in South Carolina? Yeah, it's in South yeah. Carolina. And I'm in the store with beer. I'm trying to buy <laughs> beer, right? Shit. They grab me. Get in the car. Get it. Get in the car. So I get in the car. We take all that. Turn that little roll. And they cut the angel. Stop waiting. Like, the sheriff got here. We'd have never seen you again. You know, his uncle's the sheriff. His brother's the judge. Right. right? Pretty soon, here come a car. So if we can go now, he's going down to see where we're at. You know what I'm saying? So once the cop oh, I car, see. Y'all, y'all like we pulled Because they, they knew they knew he had called the cop. Yeah. So they pulled off, right? And they were telling me why I couldn't be in the store and why they just started letting black folks buy gas there. Right, right. You know? And yeah. I'm like, now this is 71. Right. Okay, this is 71. I'm in Detroit. And I'm down here living with you Mayberry, Detroit, Mayberry you RF. Yeah, yeah you're in Detroit now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And saying when the cop came down the road, like, when they took off and we went the other way, right? I said, man, just they, we would have never seen you again. Right. You know? And I was like, what? And then he was saying, man, oh, there's, we can go now. I can take you to Alabama right now and show you places. They got signs on the billboard. Nigga, if you can read this, run. If you can't read, run anyhow. Right. And this is billboard by the highway. Man, that shit still exists. I mean, a friend of mine who grew up in Louisiana, uh, she lives in Austin, Texas now, 
But I remember her telling me she grew up in a little town called Sulphur near Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. And if she drove to like um, Houston or Galveston, any like like East Texas, mm-hmm. uh, she would pass this town Viter. And one time she pulls off to get some gas, and it, there was a sign that says "No niggers after dark." Uh, at the gas station. Oh yeah. And so you know she pulled in to get gas, and she's white, and she saw that and was like. I'm not buying no gas from somebody who's got that sign up. Fuck that. So she you know, she went to the next town or whatever. She she wasn't like on East. She just uh-huh. went and got gas somewhere else. And then uh, it just, you know, stayed in her mind as like, okay, I'm not going to that town. I don't uh, need anything. Anything from her. there, yeah. And then later, she ended up, I think she was work. I forget if she went to school with or worked with somebody where it came up that this lady was from Vider. And she's like, oh, you're from Vider? <laughs> and she started to tell her, she's like, so I stopped in Vider one time, and the lady was super embarrassed. She's like, I know, I know. That sign, everybody who's like, at all conscientious has tried to pull that sign down, and they just put it up. Again, it's up the next day. Like, I myself have pulled that sign down, and it's just up the next day. You know, we got to talking about that whole thing of like, well, is it better to take the sign down or is it better to let folks know what's happening? Because I feel like, man, if you want to advertise your racism, that does me a favor. I just uh-huh. assume not. You Give know, me a heads up yeah, uh-huh, before I, I need to have it. Yeah. I just assume not be here. Uh-huh, I see that sign. Okay, let's just keep. We can go a little bit further. We got. We got. We ain't out of gas, right? Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's and that was like in the nineties. Like I don't know if it's still there to this day. But that was in the 90s, so I don't even... Yeah, man, like I said, I was shocked that this was the 70s, and they were like, what? Right. You can't, you can't go in the store? What do you mean you can't go in the store? Right. You know? Yeah. I was like, man. Now, cool. was this their town? Were they, they, they were from that town? Yeah. Do you remember what town it was? I think it was Spartanburg. Spartanburg? Yeah, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I don't... I've only played, I think, like two or three shows ever in South Carolina. I don't really know it that well. Did you get to the beach? No, I know. Well, I have been. I have in the past. I've come up sometimes coming up from Florida. I've I've passed through like Charleston and um, Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. like that that area. But uh, I hardly ever go. I mean, like I said, I'm still scared of the South. I pass through, but I mostly go to the bigger cities, unless I have like, you know, there's some little towns like Boone, North Carolina. Is real sweet, and there's racism there, but mm-hmm. it's not. But, but like, yeah, it ain't for, rapid. Yeah, yeah, for a little town in the south, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and there's little exceptions where I go, but mostly I I stick to the bigger cities for the most part, unless I've got like a really good connection where I feel like okay, I'm gonna be like in good hands here. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel good. I think I need to wrap it up. Hey, I really appreciate you sharing stories, man. Hey, man, that's yeah. what life's about, you know. Yeah. Just have to pass on the knowledge, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah, that's on experience. You know what I'm saying? Glad you wanted to come by and talk, man. Just yeah. you know, any help I could do, you know. That's I'm good. sharing, you know. What I'm saying. Yeah, that's good news.